The next chapter with Prim Saripapat is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, everybody, it's Prem. Welcome to the next chapter presented by Baron Davis and Slick Studios. So this week, we are continuing our nationwide, multi-city, multi-university series, Transparent Conversations, addressing student-athlete mental health and well-being. Yes, I'm traveling all over the country for this LG Transparent Conversation mini-series, bringing these conversations directly to schools and athletes and administrators and other community members to help address these important issues. So each panel will feature not only a different topic, but a different set of panelists who all bring just a unique perspective on this. So we're going to be talking about the stressors of the modern student-athlete experience, the consequences of those stressors, the role of support systems, and finally, life after the game ends. And we'll be making stops at just different cities and different schools to make sure this conversation is comprehensive. And we're going to be making stops at my alma mater, Duke University, and also Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles. And this entire series is powered by LG Electronics USA. So LG is on a mission to make their tagline, life's good, more than just a saying. And with this series, we hope to spark powerful, transparent conversations. And conversations we hope will really make a difference, not only in and out of the classroom, but on and off the court and field as well. So last week, we were at my alma mater, Duke University, talking about the stressors of the modern student-athlete experience. And afterwards, we did a Q&A. So students and athletes in the audience could have the opportunity to just get involved in this conversation and ask some really important questions. So here I am on campus, just outside of Cameron Indoor Stadium, at Duke University alongside Nina King, the Vice President and Director of Athletics for Duke University, Dr. Sean Zeppelin, the Assistant Director of Athletics and Behavioral Health for Duke, and former Duke and NBA player Gerald Henderson, Jr. So we, we're going to field some questions, and we do have some questions from some students and some members in the audience. Are you guys ready? All right. So the first one is we talked about injury and taking time off from the sport to come back. Um, and also if you needed to take a break from sport for your mental health. Oh, sorry. If you needed to take a break from sport for your mental health, do you feel you could do so in the same way? So basically, do you feel as though taking a mental health break is uh, is something that's feasible, doable, acceptable? Because we've been starting to see this with athletes at the collegiate level, professional level as well. And should it be treated the same way as the physical component? Yeah. I mean, I think you see a lot of athletes these days um, actually taking like a total break from sports and not playing anymore. They retire from sports to focus on their mental health. And I think seeing that has really like raised the likelihood for more people to continue to do that. It's like they see these people doing it so they're more comfortable and they feel more confident to do the same thing. And we've actually had like teammates in the past and I've had friends on other teams who have done the same thing and taken a semester off and everyone's actually like really, really supportive and is like, I'm so proud of you for doing that because you just opened up the door for other people to feel like they can do that too. Like 
and everyone is so supportive. And I just think seeing that support has made people feel a lot more comfortable to do that in more recent times. Mm -hmm. Now, I think Kat could probably speak on um, when she was on the team because we were we actually didn't overlap. There was no like overlap between our times, but she could talk about the five years before when I was there. But I just feel like there's been such a growth even from my freshman year mm -hmm. with that concept. Yeah, I think there's this notion within athletics and within injury is with physical injuries you can that you can see it. There, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. They're definitely injured. Um, I mean, we had I had some teammates who had stress fractures or like things that weren't able to be seen, but you could tell that they were in pain. It was also like okay, yes, they need a break. But on the mental side unless it was a concussion test where you could literally see where they were like failing to do things and their brain wasn't functioning, it was less so apparent if they were struggling or like, I, I don't know if believable is the right term, and it, but like mental, mental health is, it, it's invisible to yeah. people outside of who's struggling with it. And, and I think that there needs to be a change and a shift where there is a capability to take a mental break. Like, yeah, life is hard. Sports are hard. Things can get really hard at times. Um, and I think that, in my opinion, where it starts is at, like, setting that tone in the culture mm -hmm. and setting that with, with your teammates. And what Anna said, like, you know, someone saying, like, you've opened the door, right? Like, people not realizing that it's okay to say that you're not okay and to take a step back. Because then when you come back, you're going to be – better for it right like we take the time to heal our physical injuries we take the time to do rehab and all of that but we don't do that for our mental health and I think that we're getting to a place hopefully where where that is an option um but I know when I was when I was in school that wasn't really I had one teammate who who stepped away from the team because she wasn't sure if she was in love with the sport mm -hmm. anymore, if it was something she wanted to do or didn't want to do, and she ultimately decided life without lacrosse was better, but that wasn't as much of a mental, mm -hmm. mental like, health break. It was like a mental step away. Yeah. yeah. And I think this is hard for a lot of coaches to digest um, because, because it means maybe not putting sport first. And for those who want their athletes to remain hungry – and maybe those are, I'm just talking about the coaches that really don't care as much about the human behind the athlete. I think that means um, putting their their livelihoods as a coach and their program in jeopardy. Yeah. And then there's the other side of it, talking about the invisible tattoos, as my mentor likes to call it, the invisible injuries. It's hard for people to really understand. It's like, well, what do you, what do you mean you're like hurting, but you don't have, we don't have any x-rays, we don't have any tests to really show this. So I think, you know, my take on this, and Ethan, I'll be interested to hear your take as well. I think my take on this is is twofold. I do think, and honestly, my answer will probably change, is constantly changing because I'm trying to figure out where I stand on this as well. I definitely think that we need to get to a place where we it's okay and acceptable for us to step away to address our mental health issues. And... I think it is not okay for others who take advantage of that sometimes when the because it, it doesn't make it okay for people who are really suffering 
from a serious mental health issue because I, I think we do. That's kind of like, you know, like sick days for school or whatever. You're like, oh, you know, I feel like watching cartoons or something. You just kind of – and then for the people that really need it, then it becomes an issue. Um, so I think there's that other side of it where – Somehow, I don't know what the answer is, but somehow there needs to be a sense of accountability or maybe a way to measure where, um, you know, so we, so we, make sure the peop- we make sure that the people that really need help can step away and take that break. Um, I, I also, I also want to chat, like, in between that, and I don't know the answer to this, but I'm like, is there a world we live in where mental health breaks aren't needed because there are boundaries and parameters in place to support people? every single day because I do feel like mental health breaks come when you're at that breaking point Mm -hmm. like is there a way to support student athletes where it's not like a full you know two weeks three weeks but it's Mm -hmm. it's rather a day or it's rather one practice versus Mm -hmm. that like how do we get those those institutional uh, like pillars of support where you know it's not it's not it's at the breaking point but rather it's like okay like it's every single day you feel supported and yeah, I don't yeah. know if that makes sense. No, I, I totally agree with that. And that's exactly what I was thinking. We actually on our team like have a mandatory like amount of days that we could take off for mental health if need be. Like if we like text our coach and we're like, you know, we're really, really struggling and we need to take a break for like a day of mental health they don't ask questions. They just say, yes, like, what are you going through? Can I help you? And again, I can only speak on my experiences. Mm-hmm. I, I, and there needs to be so much more work done in this category. But I really feel like our coaches have done a very good job showing support for us and, like, our needs for mental health. But I think, like I said before, the platform has been opened up by other people. But every time someone does it, it's like, oh, my gosh, like, they're so strong. Look how awesome they are. But mm-hmm. it's, like, this surprising thing that people are like, oh, my gosh, like, that – to me is also like signifies that there's a problem that it's so rare that people are like surprised and like so you know happy for these people to do that I think it's great that people are happy and supportive but it's also a bad sign that maybe people are surprised but I think like we just need to have more of a culture of like believing and just hoping that people are are good enough people to not abuse it but then again humans are humans and people sometimes abuse um great benefits that we have and I think that can be a really really big problem but then once you put a measurable aspect to it then it it steers people away maybe from wanting to come forward yeah because then their thing is being measured against someone else's and is it bad enough like yes or no you know like that's when I think people kind of get into that category of measuring um which could be tough but yeah that was just my my thoughts no I mean I I think both of you guys may you make really excellent points and I think some companies I'm just talking more I I was thinking when I asked that question um, or posed my opinion I was thinking about work culture right now because we're experiencing a lot of those things and executives are you know people are sometimes abusing that where it's like well you know I don't want to come into work at the time that you designated and so there becomes a really big issue of trying to balance okay these you know you need to come in at said time and then we also need to create space. And some companies are actually, some progressive companies are actually building, having everybody have, you have like 10 mental health days. And, you know, my friend who works for Salesforce has a Friday who's like, it's my wellness Friday. And, you know, mm-hmm. and he's like, and he has, I think he has like three three to six months of paternity leave or Salesforce something like that. Yeah. 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 So there are some companies, I was just, yeah, there was a, 
in terms of what sports is doing, that's an entirely right. different conversation, right? Ethan, do you have any thoughts on this? I really resonate with the idea that this shouldn't be necessarily like something that that we have to rely on a safety net for. Um, we shouldn't wait until people are at their breaking point. Um, and we talk in, in suicide prevention sometimes that the end goal isn't that everyone in crisis um, has somewhere to turn. It's that no one ends up in crisis. Um, so I, I really resonate with that idea that we should be building this in from the ground up. This should be foundational to how we structure um, the lives of, of student-athletes and the expectations that are set on, on student-athletes. Mm -hmm. um, I also I, I think there is something I want to challenge about that idea of, of taking advantage of these systems or, or these flexibilities um, in that I think we really need to evaluate where is the inflexibility coming from in the first place. Like, is, is that just inflexible because that's the way it's always been done? Or is it inflexible because there's actually something we want to protect and care about? Mm -hmm. um, and, and there's something to be said in, in my mind about just how intense athletics are, right? Like it takes time and practice and dedication to, to something that um, is hard. And it, it, um, it's not an easy thing to spend so much of your time doing in college. Um, so some inflexibility is, is going to have to be there, right? The practice has to happen. Um, but the ways I think there, there needs to be inside of athletics and inside of the classroom and, and everything about, about the college experience, a reevaluation of why things have to be the way they are. Um, why are people needing these additional, you know, days off for flexibility? What are the things that are driving them to that point? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think you all make excellent points about, you know, just approaching this from a different perspective, you know, it, because this conversation extends beyond sport and also into organ organizational culture as well. Um, okay, last question, because we have held all of you hostage for so long. <laughs> and the fact that my phone is about to die signifies that we've been here for, for a long time, and now the heater's coming on, we're probably all sweating a little bit. <laughs> Y'all right over there? Okay, <laughs> yeah, no. okay all right, last one. Uh, I'm going to choose this one. How do parents fit into the mental health conversation in terms of just mental health support system and, and just the general discussion? Yeah. Wow, that's a really, really good question. I feel like parents being educated on mental health is the most important thing. I feel like having education on how to help your child and support your child through these things, you don't have to heal your child. But like knowing where to turn and knowing what you can do to best support your children is so important. Mm -hmm. And I can like use my parents as an example. They have done such a great job with me, my siblings. When we're struggling, they immediately are like, let's go see like a therapist. What? But what do you want first? You know what I mean? It's like mm. they have this like, okay, let's see a therapist. But they're like, wait, what can we do to help you? And I think asking that question is so important. Like, what can we do to help you? And if we don't know then they resort to kind of, you know, ideas that they might have that can help us. And a lot of parents, I feel like there's this stigma around, like, seeing a therapist. Like, it'll be like, oh, like, are you seeing a therapist? Like, it's like, you know, this, like, whisper, like, you know, behind the curtains type of thing. But I feel like we've seen such a change in that, at least in my family. But, again, that education is just so important. And really asking your child, like, what do they need? How can I help them? I think that's just, like, so important. 
Agreed. I'm on the same page. Kat? Yeah. I mean, parents are so, parents set kind of the foundation for a child's life. Like, it's really crazy the impact two people can have on one lives, and it carries through that child's entire life, right? So when you think about that, it's it's supporting, but it's also having these conversations early. Yeah. It's having, it's asking, you know, how are you feeling? Or like diving into if someone says, you know, I think I'm sad today. Well, what made you sad? Like, I think it's normalizing these conversations from such a young age and building an environment where your child feels safe throughout their childhood to come to you. Because if that trust is there, if that support is there, chances are, and this is just my opinion, like they're going to be able to come to you before they hit that crisis. Mm -hmm. They're going to be able to say, hey, I'm feeling this way today. Is that normal? What does this feel like? Can you identify with this? Do you relate? And normalizing, like I, I had I had a good relationship with my parents growing up to a certain extent, but I definitely saw them as like adults. Like I didn't necessarily relate to things, and I think if they had been more open with their struggles, whether it was mental, like we had some financial issues that they didn't want to talk about openly, but like having these conversations earlier can really help. Um, and then in that, in that too, it, it builds out, right? Like if I'm having these conversations at home, imagine the conversations I could have with my friends. If I'm like, yeah. Hey, I talked about this with my parents. Like, this is what we talked about. Like, how are you feeling today? And I think that really sets the stage of support is building that trust of like, you can come to me with anything. Like I'm in your corner, I'm your cheerleader. And I'm also here to help you. Like I'm trying to educate myself on this too. And like, that's, I think evening the playing ground where like, yes, you are, and I'm not a parent, but, like, fr- from, like, f- you know, my relationship with my parents, like... But you are a daughter. I am yeah. a daughter. You have some experience. I am a daughter, so I do have some experience. <laughs> but I think, like, my parents saying, like, you know, they are they are the head of the house, but they're also... They can come down and meet me at, at where I'm at and bring me up to have adult... How people, I think, you know, bunny ears, adult conversations, but real-life conversations that, like, you don't need to hide your kids from because you think they're too young. Like, if your kid is coming to you with something that they're seeing chances are they're not too young to mm-hmm. talk about it. Like, mm. you know, some things in high school I think that are happening, like I would rather my mom have a conversation with me about things than a random stranger or like an internet threat. Sure, or You yeah. know what I mean? And I think that's where some of that comes into play once you build that that trust. Yeah, and if I could add one thing, and actually like Ethan, if I could talk to you about this too, especially with men's mental health and with young men, the, I feel like the most damaging phrase used to young men is, be a man, don't cry. Mm. Be a man, don't cry. And I will tell you, like, my brothers, I have three of them, they all cry. They all show emotion. They have all had a platform because of my parents to, like, show emotion. And, like, it's okay to, like, be frustrated. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be sad and cry. Like, it's okay to be happy and cry. Like, all these emotions that are very raw, I feel like are so important for laying that foundation to everything, you know, Kat's speaking about, but especially with men's mental health, you know, especially in sports, you have like, be a man, don't cry. You know, don't talk about mental health because like, you need to be a man, like just toughen up. And I, Ethan, I'm just curious about maybe any of your experiences within athletics or, you know, just as growing up, what, how you kind of feel about that. Yeah, I mean, I was lucky enough to have incredible parents who who had those conversations right and and allowed me to be open about emotions. But absolutely, I think sports plays a major role in perpetuating the 
um, downplaying of, of men's emotions um, or the kind of shoving it underground um, a little bit. I mean, there are absolutely tough moments that, and, and when you're in a, when you're in a space, you get so close to teammates, um, especially in, you know, middle school, high school um, age sports like that. Those were my friend groups. Right. And, and um, I think it was damaging to, uh, to see a lot of my friends who were not able to have those conversations about tough emotions and, or, or didn't feel equipped um, to talk about what they were feeling and, and what they were going through. Um, and it, I think a lot of times it comes down to the coach um, and, or, or other leaders and mentors in that, uh, those people's lives. So you talked about the importance of parents educating themselves and, and being open with their children. Um, I think it's just as important for coaches and any other mentors in young people's lives um, to become educated about mental health, to really uh, strive to make those conversations happen, um, be open about their own struggles and, and their own emotions, and then invite that conversation from, uh, from the, the students, the young people. Um, try to get more comfortable with having those conversations in a lot of different spaces. You know, I, I think a lot of times the pressure on parents is you are the adult in that child's life. Um, you know, you, you're the person they should go to. Um, but I think ultimately we want students, we want young people, um, whether they're in elementary school or they're in college or grad school, um, we want people to have trusted mentors, um, coaches, parents, leaders in their life who they feel supported by and open with and able to have those tough conversations. So if that's a parent, great. If that's a coach, amazing. Um, but people who work with young people um, should really take it on themselves to, to make, do the, do the hard work of becoming more educated about mental health and, and opening that conversation up. Right, because the impact comes from, from parents, it comes from coaches, it comes from caregivers. Not everybody is in the typical traditional nuclear system of a mother and a father, right? Because all familial dynamics change. And so, you know, for me, I think I agree with every single one of you. I think it begins with having that discussion, having that recognition, extending that responsibility out to everybody else. And for me, you know, I mean, you know, we're going through it. I have a son four-year-old son, Duke, shout out, means he's going to UNC, the fact that we named him Duke, <laughs> um, and a 15-month-old uh, son, Tyson. But I think it really begins with it's like, listen, if you as a parent, you have to be talking about emotions and feelings and having that conversation. If you haven't done that yet, if you don't know what emotions and feelings are, you don't know how emotions and feelings are a signal to you about your internal processes, that is the sign that you need to be educated, what goes back to your point, Anna, educating yourself about all of these psychological processes, because by doing that, you are then going to pay it forward and really have an impact. And whew, you guys, all of you have, have paid it forward. You've sat here through a very, very long time. Anna's going to need more cough drops. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I got some in my pocket. <laughs> I know. She's yeah. locked and loaded. Um, locked and loaded. Yeah, Target style. Those are the best cough drops ever. Uh, <laughs> but I can't, you know, we can't thank you enough for coming here on the LG Transparent Conversations van and series to open yourselves up and be so vulnerable and, and just to engage in, you know, what many believe is a difficult conversation. But I, um, you know, I, I hope all of you had 
a good time. Uh, how did it feel to engage in this conversation for a very long time? It was it was awesome. I mean, I think good. kudos to you and the crew for having it be such a welcoming environment where I, I feel really safe being vulnerable and being myself. So I'm so grateful that that you had me on. Yes, yeah, Dang. Prim, you and everyone at LG and everyone uh, out there in the crowd. <laughs> um, in the cold. <laughs> yes, I am uh, so appreciative for, you know, everything you guys have done. You have made this such a special process, such a fun process on top of that. And such a, honestly, like, I feel very educated after this too, hearing about so many awesome perspectives that everyone in this van has. And I'm just so appreciative to be a part of something so amazing and um, thank you so much for having me. No, thank you, Ethan. I, I love having these conversations, but I even more so I love meeting the people who who enjoy having them too. So it's been an absolute pleasure to learn from and talk with all of you, and and of course a big thanks to uh, to LG and, and the team that worked so hard to put this together behind the scenes. You are always welcome back. And I don't say that to a lot of Tar Heels, although I do have a lot of Tar Heel friends. But it's a cool thing, right, where we can kind of strip away the rivalry um, between the Blue Devils and the Tar Heels. But This, this is, is actually yeah. my first time on Duke's campus. Are you oh, kidding me? You'll have to walk around. I know. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll make a tour of it. Yeah. Do. Go see the chapel. Okay. Seriously. Right. And it's beautiful right now with the fall leaves. You won't regret oh, it, even as gorgeous. a Tar Heel. You won't. I, I really had to swallow my pride to make it down, <laughs> down, uh, down 15 5 one this morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you didn't swallow too hard. You came in your Carolina <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. so you came, you came representing. Well, Anna, Kat, Ethan, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for coming on and and talking so much uh, about this. And you know that's always my goal: provide a safe, trusting environment to raise our our voices and our message. And you know, as we move forward, I want all of you to reach out to me if you ever need help with something, mental health vocational, career, anything, right? Because this is all about creating co uh, community and, and really helping each other. So thank you so much for, for coming on. Thank you. Thank you so much. Woo! This is amazing. <laughs>